Whether in the media, our government, or our schools, Christianity faces tremendous intellectual persecution. This program stands on the intellectual front lines. With disarming honesty, we engage the most difficult issues facing Christians today. I want to welcome you to Theology Unplugged, the radio outreach of Credo House Ministries in Edmond, Oklahoma. We sit down over lattes at the Credo House coffee shop and just talk theology. I'm Michael Patton, president of Credo House Ministries. I'll be leading the discussion along with Tim Kimberly, director of ministries for Frontline Church Edmond, Sam Storms, lead pastor of Bridgeway Church, and finally J.J. Side, pastor of community and discipleship at Bridgeway Church. Welcome to Theology Unplugged. I'm sitting here with Carrie. Hello, Carrie. Hello, Michael. Carrie, um, I'll introduce Carrie a little bit more later if I remember and tell you a little bit about her. But Carrie, you are a hardline fundamentalist. Oh, absolutely. Right? Oh, absolutely. No, you, no, you're not supposed to answer that way. Answer the way you would if I was accusing you of something. You're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> that sounded like the Grinch's old Christmas, you know. <laughs> you're an idiot. I'm an idiot. <laughs> Um, now fundamentalism, I do too. Well, I do. We do talk about that sometimes, you know, here at the Credo house, we joke back and forth and I'll call you a fundamentalist. Why do I call you a fundamentalist? I have no idea. No. Yes, you do. There, there's certain things that you look at differently. Oh, well on certain, I, I'm a little bit more rigid on my views on certain things. Is yeah. that what you mean? Well, a little bit more dogmatic, dogmatic, yeah. rigid and, um, I get fired up only yeah. on two things. And, and I would just say a little bit more because I'm not accusing you of being too much more on lots of stuff. Right. I mean, seriously, you know that. Oh, right? I know. Now, what is, I mean, I want to talk a little bit about this idea of fundamentalism, this idea of rigidity mm-hmm. um, and where it comes from and what's the problem with it. I mean, you, you, uh, sometimes I... Uh, I'll I'll just be honest with you. It's really hard for me uh, more and more to find preachers that I like too much. Mm. You you have something more to say about than that, right? Mm. No, I'm just, (laughs) no, I'm I'm curious as to why you say that, because why do you say that? Well, actually, because I think that I'm becoming, let me put it in a negative way. I think I'm just becoming more disenchanted with so much of the preaching that goes on out there. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's an excuse. Maybe it's an excuse for me not to live a right life. I mean, I'm not saying I'm not living a right life, but maybe it's an excuse for me to justify sin or to to not do things uh, under the authority of someone else. Oh, I see. But here's the reason, and here's the problems that I have, is that I think that so much of what goes on out there whenever people are preaching or teaching is they just act as if they have too much certainty about things. Mm -hmm. Let Let me give you some examples. People who have overstatements. People who say, I'm absolutely certain. People who say, it couldn't be clearer in my mind. Or no educated person would believe otherwise. I mean, on and on I could go with what we what I would call, uh, you know, unqualified statements, uh, superlatives, things that are just overstatements. Mm-hmm. 
I'll listen to somebody teach on a certain passage, you know, of scripture, maybe Genesis chapter six. And they're talking about the angels are these angels. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> are, are these, um, are these angels who came down and cohabitated with women and had sexual relations with women and then produced the Nephilim or is it the sons of Seth? Right. Both Cain. Um, well, the sons of Seth being the sons of God. Versus the sons of – oh, sorry. I thought it was the sons of Cain. No, no, no. But that's all right. But here's the issue. Sorry. The issue is this uh, – uh, somebody might say, I am absolutely certain that these were angels. Uh, these were demons. Mm-hmm. These were uh, – they couldn't be clear in Scripture. Oh, right. Uh, you know, <laughs> w- things that they'll overstate. I mean, it could be even the early chapters of Genesis and whether you're a young earth or old earth or the views that you take there. Mm-hmm. And people are overstating to me. And they'll travel around and they'll build museums and do things that are just based upon this absolute certainty that a really – debatable passage of scripture is uh not debatable that's what they'll assume and i whenever i look at them i know better you know i've studied and i think well i know both sides and you can't be absolutely certain about this thing and so it's hard for me to find people that i like teachers that i like uh people who do not overstate within the church people who don't pull up the pulpit and preach certain things with these unqualified superlatives mm-hmm. with like the utmost certainty yeah, and as if that if you are in some form of disagreement with them that could even get you to question even at times the very foundation of your faith yeah definitely and it and just, that's dangerous it disturbs me mm-hmm. and I, I guess you don't find people that often that are balanced because you get you pull up the pulpit and it it's like I'm not supposed to be balanced behind the pulpit. I'm supposed to be authoritative. I'm preaching God's authoritative word. And so you come to these passages of Scripture, and it seems kind of, you know, not quite so powerful to say, well, there's differing views and there's legitimate people who believe other than me. But, you know, I'm going to tell you this way, and I guess people behind the pulpit want to have more conviction and more authority but that's a thing i mean it is supposed to be god's word that has the authority and okay if god's no no, word, no 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 but i'm no, saying for no. them right you say it's god's word that has the authority mm-hmm. but whose interpretation but, but of that's, god's word that's what it comes down to yeah. it's it's rightly interpreted scripture yeah. that, that is authoritative and so in those areas that i mean there's what's called you know the perspicuity of scripture yeah and i think there are areas that are not completely clear, yeah. but I Purpose-cuity think the clearness of it, yeah. the, the the you know clear reading of it, and I think where Scripture is very clear, we can be dogmatic if you want to use that adjective. We can be if Scripture is saying this is how it is, like yeah. Jesus rose from the grave. We can be dogmatic about that, yeah. but we can't be as dogmatic about who or what the Nephilim were. Yeah. And there's no need to be and not understanding that and scripture not really being overly clear on that doesn't undermine its authority you know it doesn't undermine its own authority does that make does that make sense no it does make sense you know uh, again it's not but it it should be humbling for us 
It is, and, and, and we do need to make certain that whenever we are looking at the Scripture, we are... We we understand what you said because it's so important. You know, Martin mm-hmm. Luther, whenever the Catholic Church came to him and said, you know, if you put a Bible in every man's hands, they're going to interpret everything the way they want to, and it'll be so many interpretations and there won't be any clarity. And Martin Luther basically said, no, number one, there is a clarity to the gospel that even if you're a child, you can read this and understand it. To the gospel. To the gospel. The gospel. The clearness of certain things in the scripture and the gospel being the main one. Mm -hmm. We don't need the church to come in and say, this is it. It's clear enough. And there's things that are unclear in the scripture, and they need to be seen as unclear. We don't need Mm -hmm. an absolute authority that's coming in saying, this is what this means, therefore you can preach on it in this way. Which is why... It kind of goes back to stating those things with such certainty in the the obscure things. And I think it's fair to say there's obscure things in Scripture without it in some way diminishing your reverence for it. That's not what it's meant to do. But there are things in Scripture that aren't clear. But I think because of that, there it, your salvation doesn't hinge upon it, uh, your understanding of it. You Carrie know, is an employee at Credo House. Um, she has been with me since when? 2006? Uh, I was a, started as a student in 2005, okay. and then I became an employee in 2006. She was a student in the theology program, and uh, we have a great history. Maybe someday we'll tell it. It's a lot of fun, and Carrie is uh, – <laughs> is uh, we, we have so many good conversations mm-hmm. between me and Carrie, and they you, they get sometimes kind of heated. Yeah, a little they bit. They can, not yeah. as much anymore. Yeah, not quite. So, well, we know just, we I've know learned, what to steer away we've, from. We both learned to shut up. <laughs> like, just I'm not going to push that button anymore. That's right. That's right. We've learned to stop doing that. But they're good conversations. They and are. Sometimes I say, you know what, this should be a theology unplugged. Podcast. That's happened. Oh, that does happen a lot. So. Well, you know, and and the thing is, it's this kind of stuff that I would tell you. I would say, you know, it's just harder for me these days, and it's mm-hmm. frustrating, you know, because mm-hmm. I can sit even with with a good preacher that is well established, and this is wrong. Okay, mm-hmm. I know this is wrong, but if he overstates something, it makes me think, oh, great, you know, I mean. He's absolutely certain on this passage, and I know that you can't be absolutely certain. Now he's lost a lot of people here. And maybe I'm thinking with the mind of types of people who come in Credo House, you mm-hmm. know, the uh, the types of people we try to attract, mm-hmm. the more postmodern emerging or hipster generation. Mm-hmm. And I know that they think this way. Mm-hmm. And then I'm, like, frustrated because not so much I'm – having problems but man you're not really gonna hit the people that need you're to be concerned hit about the impact that they could have or the potential impact in their their the loss of the impact that they could have because these people for example that you mentioned this sort of category of people that you know see things a certain way or maybe don't see things a certain way or don't think we can, can even see certain things mm-hmm. you know a certain way but they could benefit so greatly from these, whichever pastors you're talking about. I mean, I could think of 10 right now. Yeah. But because of the fact that at times they will make dogmatic assertions 
where one doesn't need to be made, that they well, lose I mean, their, their yeah, potential yeah. to influence these people. So I, I guess that's maybe your concern. Well, it's my concern, and you and sometimes have ministries that are built upon this or just lives that are devoted to th- things that are controversial, mm-hmm. things that, not just controversial, that's not a good word, but are debatable among Christians. Mm-hmm. Uh, we call these the... the uh, the issues of non-essentials around here. Mm-hmm. You know, we got essentials that are not debatable that we are completely certain of. Which happen to be what Scripture's clear on, yeah. I think. The perspicuity mm-hmm. there that Martin Luther talked about. And so you have these essentials that are, you mm-hmm. know, Christ died for our sins according to Scriptures, that he was buried, that he rose from the grave, that he is uh, uh, the atonement on the cross because he died for our sins. Mm-hmm. We are sinners. I mean, there's lots of things in Scripture that are Christ clear. is sufficient for yeah. that, yeah. And so it's just the things whenever you get to, say, the book of Revelation. Right? <laughs> and you have people that are so dogmatic about their view on what Revelation means. Now, I have my beliefs about Revelation, Right. Uh, I, I have very tentative ones. My belief is I should. I believe I should read it more because <laughs> I, I don't understand it. <laughs> well, whenever you get or to the book, don't take of, time to read it. Yeah, but whenever you're preaching it. through it or teaching through it, sometimes, sometimes people, you know, introduce it. I know a guy who teaches it quite often, and he introduces it, and he says, "Here's all the different views." And gives legitimacy to them. I know that guy. Yeah, and then preaches through it, and that's yes. fine because he is he is qualified. But the, he his, has his, very he does not to interrupt you. But that particular guy you has just interrupted me. I know that. I just but I <laughs> but I said not to interrupt you, yeah. <laughs> uh, so that makes it okay. Yeah, that's like uh, <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> yeah, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> I said with all due respect. <laughs> I can say anything with all due, as long as I say with all due respect. It's kind of like gossip, you know, Christian gossip. You can say anything as long as you put God bless their heart bless afterwards. Bless their heart. <laughs> so, they're did an you adulterer. Know, did you know they're getting a divorce? God bless their heart. Yeah. Did you know she's an adulterer? Bless her heart. <laughs> okay, sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, so, no, but I know, but but that person in particular has very dogmatic views on that. Yeah. But, well, very he, strong but, views. Well, uh, well, yeah, very strong. Well, what I mean, I'm not using dogmatic in the negative sense here, okay. in the pejorative. Just he's very... I need you to qualify it, though, or okay, I'm that's not going to listen okay. to you anymore. He, I'm getting ready to shut this down, because okay, you has, did not qualify. Okay, he has very firm views on that, <laughs> okay, to soften it. Uh, but what what some could say dogmatic, yeah. okay? Yeah. But yet he's he's balanced. So I think that's a, that's a, a sort of an aspect of it, that... You can make certain statements with certainty. You can make statements with certainty, you know, provided that you are at least balanced. To well, say, in the book of Revelation, you, you have to. And I mean, Revelation's difficult, yeah, I think. Say so you don't. I mean, I'm not going to preach through it, or I'm going to qualify it with all the different views on every passage, mm-hmm. and you can't do that. I mean, that'd be. He does that. That'd be laborious. No, what you can do but is he you can states start. His view. You can start the book by saying, "Here are the different ways to take it. Here's oh, okay. the reason why I take it this way. The other ways are legitimate, or they have their arguments. I just feel like these are stronger." Isn't that what he does? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So you've qualified the entire thing, and now okay. you're fine to preach through it. But most people don't. You know, it's I'm absolutely certain of the pre-millennial view or the mm-hmm. post-millennial view or the all-millennial view. I'm absolutely certain that there is not a rapture of the church or there 
is a rapture. Those types of things, I am absolutely certain. It could not be clear. These people out there, they're just they're just dumb. They don't follow the mm-hmm. scriptures. They they are following the culture or mm-hmm. whatever else. Make fun, poke sure, fun at, sure. and you just lose me real fast. Mm-hmm. And I think it's be, just because I'm maybe a little bit too postmodern <laughs> in my thinking. Mm. And when I say that, you know, what I mean is that I'm just, uh, I, I, I'm not saying I'm burned by things uh, or have been burned by myself. For instance, there are times in my life where I've been so certain of certain doctrines, mm-hmm. right? It's usually early on when I'm... 18 19 you know through my early mm-hmm. 20s but then you start to study broadly and then you get confused and then you feel like you've just been burned because you held to this view so strongly mm-hmm. and you preached it yourself so strongly you know i used to teach sunday school class in my early 20s and you know i remember things that i taught that i thought with such conviction mm-hmm. and such absolute certainty and then later on i'm looking back and i'm like i'm not that certain about that and I well, that's fine. That. That's just a maturation process, and in in your your knowledge of things, and also as that's a Christian. true. But you say it's a maturation process, and what I look at. Did I say that right? It's yeah. a maturing process. Yeah. Maturation. I think that's right. <laughs> oh. So you say it's it's this process of becoming mature, and I look at them and I say, I don't think this person's matured in his theology. Mm-hmm. Whenever they make too many overstatements. Or they hold the doctrines that are debatable about the end times when or the they hold beginning. To them, when they hold to them with this sort of dogmatism that you mean. Yeah. You know, they're holding to them with an utmost dogmatism, like yeah. utmost certainty. Yeah. And I'm not saying you can't be convicted of things. I am convicted of things that are debatable. And I have conv- various levels of conviction. Sure. I mean, like, you know, there are some things that... Whenever I say I believe on a scale of one to ten, mm-hmm. belief being absolutely certain at a ten, mm-hmm. and zero to ten, and zero meaning I haven't made up my mind, I'm mm-hmm. just kind of in a state of mm-hmm. uncertainty. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some things I believe, and I'm very high up, you know, mm-hmm. with the resurrection of Christ, very high in my belief. Mm-hmm. But whenever it comes to things like my views of the millennium and where it's pre-millennial or post-millennial or yeah. post or whatever, sure. And I'll be somewhere, you know, a two or a three mm-hmm. or a four. And then other things I'll be, you know, I'm a one at, but I still believe it mm-hmm. and I have conviction about it, but it's just, it's just overstatement. People, some people out there, they act like they're a 10 on everything, mm-hmm. you know? I know, yeah, I know. I mean, I used to kind of be that way in my thinking. Probably, yeah, I've been a Christian for a long time, and I think probably in my 20s I was more like that to where I was like I thought that you had to be a 10 on everything, Mm. you know, on the scale of certainty, yeah, as you've called it. But it's so liberating to realize that you don't. Yeah. On on the small stuff, kind of. Yeah. You remember that cliche, don't sweat the small stuff? Yeah. That's kind of what it is. And these non-essentials, you can't really sweat the non-essentials. You can't sweat the small stuff. Um, and meaning, you, and you don't have to be absolutely certain about these the smaller things. 
because I don't know that certain things are are obscure. Well, when we go back to the idea of fundamentalism, yeah, and you know, which I am joking around saying, mm-hmm. "Are you a fundamentalist?" Sometimes you take this so far that not you, people. No, oh, I know you in the general sense. Yeah. right? Uh, they take it so far that they'll question your salvation if you don't believe the way they do about That's true. the about the uh, beginnings uh, and literal Origins six-day or... Absolutely. Uh, and that's unfortunate. It is, but this is this is the problem that I have with so much um, still in the church. Mm-hmm. I think it's still so infected well, with fundamentalism. I, I think at the end of the day, that's just our... That could be part of our sinful bent as humans, like that kind of... You know, I noticed this. I think people will love to argue about anything. And I'm not just diminishing their position to say they're just doing it for the sake of arguing. But I notice, like, you can watch a, a YouTube cat video, and at some point, somebody's going to start an argument about a cat and how you should treat a cat. And there'll be this, like, 30 comments, an argument on a cat video. Yeah. That's just a, a, a caricature I'll, of an example. I'll, but I'll you tell get you, what hey, I'm saying? you should treat a cat. But <laughs> you should sterilize them all. <laughs> Quintessential dog person, evidently. <laughs> but what I'm saying is um, that our, 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 we're just predisposed to, to maybe that kind of bent to, to where we are confront or, or not confrontational, but we well we, we argue. We're more comfortable with certainty. And in, in, in that too. But I mean, I don't know about just the arguing, and I don't know. I, that's a point I was trying to make. That sometimes people just want to argue, and they yeah. will not bend and they do think that if they bend then they somehow that does go to certainty if they bend then they, they've questioned their own position well it's so easy to i don't know to be uncomfortable with uncertainty no, no to be uncomfortable good. with uncertainty yeah yeah because you know well, I, I i don't want to be uncertain i want to be a 10 on everything mm, i don't like being a zero on things maybe i don't uh, know if you were 10 on everything wouldn't you be god yeah, that's true. Comprehensive knowledge and comprehensive certainty. But then that gets into what is certainty. Well, look at Peter. He looked at Paul's stuff and said it's Did hard we... to understand. Yeah, and yeah, so, that's true. I mean, saying it's hard to understand is basically admitting that there's some things that are difficult I'm not really sure about. Paul's a little like um, like some people will say uh, deep. Yeah. You know, that's a, a word we hear a lot about us, too. Boy, they're deep over there at Credo House. Yeah. but. Paul was too deep for Peter. For Peter, too. So, and so you can, you know, appreciate that his, him at least admitting to that, that, you know, there's things that we need to know. But the thing is, too, about certainty, I don't think certainty in something equates to knowledge of it. I don't think like some sort of 100, like absolute certainty of something is, you know, necessary to say you know something, mm. you know, and I think... You know, that's a, that's a whole, that's maybe that's a different podcast that we could deal with, like in terms of how we know and what makes us know and all that kind of stuff. So, but certainty is not a necessary component of knowledge. Well, does that make and, sense? And, you know, and the end thing is yes, and it does. And it's a, it's a good way for us to end. But whenever you believe something, you don't have to have perfect belief. That's right. I mean, there's so many people out there that listen, and they're just they believe in Christ, but it's kind of the you know, the boy or the man whose son was the, the demon possessed. And he says, mm-hmm. "I believe, help my unbelief." Mm-hmm. And you don't have to believe perfectly. You don't have to be a ten. You don't even have to be a five. You can be a one, and you're still trusting in Christ. 
Well, you you started some. Most of us start at one, don't we? No. And we just work our way through it, and our you know, by way of the Holy Spirit, you know, molding us into the image of Christ. And all I mean, we grow in our faith. We grow in our knowledge. We can know something, but we can yet know it better. And the essentials, so, the, essentials the essentials of faith are the we can things know those that, even we can, that we we end up, you know, stabilizing in, even though we may be unstable in the things that are non-essential. Mm-hmm. But I do go to church. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> it's just me finding other preachers and teachers, and sometimes it's very much a fundamentalistic bent. We hope you've enjoyed today's broadcast. If it's blessed you, they'd love to hear from you. And don't forget to join the group again next week for another edition of Theology Unplugged. Theology Unplugged is a listener-supported ministry of the Credo House. They're a theological hub and coffee shop, and their address is 109 Northwest 142nd Street in Edmond, Oklahoma, 73013. They're open Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. to 9 p.m., and Saturdays, 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. Please consider this your official invitation. You're invited to come and visit the Credo House and discuss today's program or take a tour of the theologically rich surroundings. You might also enjoy one of their signature drinks like a Luther latte or a Nicene mocha. In fact, if it's your first time in the Credo House and you mention that you heard their program on Bot Radio Network, you can have the drink of your choice for free. For more information or to support this ministry, visit credohouse.org.